The act of giving a lock of one's hair to a loved one has been practiced for centuries. It was a sign that you were courting or engaged if you kept a locket of your mate's hair. Men carried it with them in watch fobs or sewn into the inside lapels of their jackets. Women wore brooches or lockets with snippets of hair from their loves. It was common for the family Bibles to have snippets of hair on name cards for the members of the family in their family tree. And even into the 1900s, as tokens of friendship, ladies would exchange hair clippings to include in their autograph books. And before you cringe at the thought of saving hair, I'd be willing to bet that your parents have a clipping from your first haircut tucked away someplace safe. And, chances are, you probably did the same with your children. Don't worry, we're not even tapping into the saving of teeth for this episode. Needless to say, it's not too much of a stretch to think that lockets of hair being used as mementos from those loved ones who passed on before us is too outrageous. It could even be considered an art form. Welcome, my name is Elizabeth Bougeret, and I'm that person when studying the many facets of history likes to peek behind the curtain investigate hidden passages, drop into the rabbit hole, or dare to walk in the shadows, because we all know that's where the good stories can be found. Take a listen, then, to discover what dark or peculiar pieces of American history can be found in my bag of bones. Memento Mori is translated to simply be Memories of the Dead. When a loved one dies, it's not uncommon for us to keep some sort of memento to remember them by. Items like china, rings, tools, clothing, they were passed on from generation to generation to keep the family's history alive, for lack of a better word, and as a sentimental reminder of our love for them. Many of those same items are passed on still today. But at a time before the photograph, and all they had were their memories, Memento Mori was not considered morbid in any way. It was honoring those who passed. It was like our keeping a photo on the wall long after our loved ones had passed away. You might have gathered that today's episode is referring to the sentimental value that we have given to the locks of hair that we keep, but perhaps not in the how. In addition to keeping small snippets tied with a delicate bow or pressed between pages of a family's Bible, we learn the talent of turning hair into pieces of jewelry or elaborate framed works of art. This skill morphed into a recognized art form that was once very personal, being done by the grieving family member, to a highly profitable business, then back to a more intimate setting such as a social gathering like sewing bees. And then, by the time World War I came along, it switched into morbid curiosities. Jewelry made from human hair. Such an odd thing to our sensibilities today. Almost cringeworthy. But stick with me a bit longer and hopefully you'll be able to remove that look of disgust from your face. I know it's there, because I made that face too. It was soon altered into a look of respect for the craft and a reverence for the pieces. In our world today, where we take so much for granted and believe that most things are disposable, it's hard to suspend those thoughts and revisit that time, since not only do we have millions of photos of our loved ones and what they ate at any given time, to a time where if you had a photo, it was the most precious thing, because it was so rare. 
death was treated so differently in times gone by. There were specific rituals that those who lost someone followed for the specific amount of time depending on what the deceased meant to you. Death was not only an event, but since it may have been months or even years before family members and friends learned of the death, the rituals were maintained for a rather lengthy amount of time. Men who lost their wife were to wear black clothing for three months and then wear a black arm bandage, corsage, or pin representing her death for an undetermined amount of time. The women, however, had to mourn and wear black, black dress, corset, gloves, hat, and veil for two and a half years. They even had to correspond on mourning stationery. Yes, there, there was a thing. Death was a thing. So it's not hard to see how jewelry ended up as part of that as well. Matte black ornamental rings and brooches made of jet and onyx were already used in mourning wear and adding to the sentiment of a loved one's hair was perfectly beautiful and a natural thing. They could keep their loved ones with them always. The manipulation of hair dates back centuries. Europeans and Greeks worshipped it and the longer the locks were, the more beautiful and sacred it was deemed. The Egyptians, on the other hand, hated it, choosing to shave it off and wear wigs when the event called for it. So in true supply and demand fashion, there were those who emerged who mastered the skill of wig making, and then in addition to adorning in style, they perfected their skill with hair wiglets, chignons, falls, and curls. And yes, these were made mostly from human hair. They had not developed synthetics as yet, well, not anything good. There were some horsehair, yak, and fiber options, but hair was quite the commodity. And I'm sorry to tell you, it still is. Side note, to put things into perspective of the time frame, by the 1850s, over 150,000 pounds was being imported from Europe, mainly France, Italy, and Germany. Human hair was a highly profitable market to get into, and this included jewelry. Watches, bracelets, necklaces, brooches, rings were in high demand. By the mid to late 1800s, jewelry stores would have their own in-house hair weavers. Customers could come in and purchase ready-made items or bring in the hair of their loved one to have a custom piece made. Mark Campbell remarked in his book from 1867, The Self-Instructor in the Art of Hairwork, quote, the Norwegians were among the first to make ornaments of hair to be worn as jewelry, but in great measure we are indebted to the French for the perfection which the art has attained. End quote. Again, memento mori was not considered morbid, even though many displayed the very symbols we consider frightening or unloving, or these days faddish and grungy, such as skulls, coffins, wings, urns, skulls with wings and others, but then these symbols were just meant as a passing of time, a pause in our connection with the deceased. It defined the piece for what it was, a symbol, a memory of death, to remind us that death is ever-present and that we should embrace and strive for a righteous life. I believe in today's vernacular it could be summed up with our saying, live life to the fullest. Just because a piece of jewelry from the past was black did not always mean that it was memento mori. 
The artisans that created these ornamental pieces used lots of symbolism in their creations. Not just the skulls and other creepy notations, but some that might surprise you. The acorn, or oak sprays, are included to show independence and often show are shown by an empty acorn cup. The use of ivory as a cutout piece or backdrop symbolized innocence and is seen often in the use of children's and young women's ornaments. Seed pearls were meant to represent tears. Lily of the valley, the little bell-shaped flower, has become known to symbolize sadness and the reuniting loved ones, as well as the small bells announcing their arrival to good spirits. Weeping willow trees are popular in the hair jewelry institution. As someone with an artist's eye myself, I can see how hair could be a perfect form for this tree. But in death, it means being born again, the resurrection of the soul. Today, the anchor symbolizes strength and security, a place to come home to. But in the 1800s, anchors were used to signify hope and stability. And one more that might seem obvious, the cross. Today, it is a symbol of the Christian faith that is recognized as salvation, atonement, redemption. And while it meant those same things in earlier times, when referring to death, it also means the acceptance of death, an end to suffering and sacrifice. It meant peace. We've all survived history class. My history education was all about cramming dates and names and battles into my teenage brain in order to pass the newest test to make the school look good. I didn't really enjoy history until I was able to revisit it and see that history was made up of people, just like me. They had struggles, they had joy, they had sadness, and they felt victories. It became so very real to me. And now, I'm on a mission to revisit as much history as I can. Hello, my name's Elizabeth Bougeret. I'm a full-time author and a full-time traveler, and I would love to share what I'm learning with you. Come with me. See my sights and stories as I go. I love history now. Real history. Not just the dates and battles. And I've discovered that others do too. So, I've created a group in Facebook, and I'd love for you to join me on my travels and adventures. Let me reintroduce you to a history that's made up of people, places, adventures. I'll even throw in a few battles for good measure. If you love American history with a side of travel, I'm sure you'll enjoy this group. Join me over there. Search the Facebook groups for History Revisited, I'm the one with the blue feather, or Type in historyrevisited.info in the search bar and then join in on the adventure. And so I can be sure to welcome you properly, be sure to say hello. The skills of a hairwork artisan can still be admired today, partially because of the medium with which they were working and the time and care they put into the creation of each piece. Another quote from author Mark Campbell says, 
The jewelry manufactured in this time is as durable as the all-gold jewelry and is done in a style of surpassing neatness, thus rendering it beautiful either as an ornament or a memento. And he is correct. Some pieces of memento mori are still as smooth and as beautiful, even being over 200 years old. Long strands of hair were woven and twisted into bows that could be decorated with a pin. Necklaces that would be intricately braided in several designs and worn as is or have an additional piece of an anchor, a cross, or flower dangling from them. Watch fobs, bracelets, earrings, hat pins, and then ornate wall hangings. Hours and hours of painstaking work. This style of braiding and twisting was called tablework because artists would sit at a small, specially made table with strands of hair spilling over the edges, weighted with just the right bobbin to keep the hair straight, but not stretch it. The workspace itself was made of a domed-shaped table that would spin to make it easier to reach all the way around for the weaver. They could sit or stand and braid their cord as long as they needed it to be, tie it off, shellac the ends, and adorn it with gold clasps. Pallet work was the skill of creating malleable sheets of hair to swirl and curl. They achieved this by flattening the hair and mixing it with sticky, sap-like substance so when it dried it could be formed into shapes and even sculpted. These creations are usually seen on the coverings for keepsake boxes, about the size of small jewelry boxes, for example, larger brooches, and for shadow boxes, meaning framed under either domed or flat glass. Wreaths and laurel designs were made of twisting, knotting, and looping hair around wire until they created the length of the circle or half circle they desired. Then, by offshoots of wire and looped hair, Twisting into the main strand made it look like branches of a tree or flower. The artist could then add small dried flowers or wood or rolled paper or even create the flowers themselves from hair as well. It's an amazing thing to see. I've added a few photos to the show notes and it's worth it to go to the website and really appreciate the time that had to go into creating even one element of these. Families would then take the finished pieces and could hang them on their wall, either behind glass and framed, or many opted to hang them directly, and then wreaths could be linked together as new family members were, um, involuntarily added. This tedious and time-consuming style of hair work is called gimping, or gimp work. Dissolved work. I bet you can guess what kind of artistry this is created from. The crafter would pulverize the hair pieces into a pigment and then mix it with a substance that would create a stain and adhere to the backdrop, which was usually ivory. They would then have the freedom to paint whatever scene with ease. Sometimes this was the only option for those who had short or coarse hair. And then, if the artist was really showing off, they would combine the skills of gimp work, palette work, and dissolved hair work to create shadow boxes with larger scenes of death or gardens using the hair to create flowers and weeping willow trees on a creamy white backdrop of ivory or soft velvety fabric. Hair jewelry began its rise in popularity in the early 1800s. 
But when Queen Victoria was mourning the loss of her King Albert and ordered eight pieces of jewelry to be made from his hair, the popularity boomed. This was also the beginning of our civil war here in the States. The rituals and customs surrounding death had to be altered simply because the mass amount of death that was happening daily. One in four soldiers died, so death was at their doorstep every day. This was the time when store-bought items rose in popularity. Morning clothes and dresses became the first off-the-rack items found in shops. The war also affected the hair jewelry industry in many ways. This was the rise of the store-bought pieces with the family-trusting retail establishments to create their jewelry, but then death happened so often and so quickly, the artists were soon pressed for time and were unable to add much of the adornment that they used to. The first thing to go was shaving the tie off it took to carve in memory of, or any other inscription for that matter. Therefore, you can often tell the age of a piece of jewelry from the inscription, or the lack of one. And that also caused the loved ones to wonder if the hair they sent off was really the hair that was used in the creation of their jewelry pieces. In response and concern, women began to learn the skill of hair work themselves, and it slowly replaced the artisans in the shops. The book referenced in the episode was released in 1861, and was a thorough instructional book on how to create braids, treat the hair, and templates of what to create. It was titled Self-Instruction in the Art of Hairwork. It taught them everything they needed to know, so in some circles, this replaced quilting or knitting, bringing it around full circle back to the homes. The women were needing things to do to help them heal and grieve, and this gave them purpose, release, and community. It was considered a very sentimental gift that was cherished by family members and passed down from generation to generation. It went out of fashion in the middle 1920s when it became deemed frivolous. At a time when the world was at war and every penny and ounce of effort had to go to supporting the efforts of victory, hair work became old-fashioned and backward. Luckily, there are still quite a few pieces to be found in various museums, especially the Civil War memorials, and there is one woman who has made it her mission to preserve these precious pieces, so she created a museum just for these sentimental antiques, Leela's Hair Museum in Independence, Missouri. I'll add the link to her website in the show notes if you'd like to see her collection up close and personal. And apparently enough time had passed when this morning ritual had been all but forgotten to where when I mentioned it as an upcoming episode, I was greeted with hair jewelry. That's a thing? That's disgusting. Even yet, today, there are necklaces you can purchase so you can wear your deceased loved one's ashes around your neck or in a ring. So maybe it's not gone. Just updated. Bag of Bones is researched and recorded by Elizabeth Bougeret, produced by the Ragtag Network and History Revisited, music by Johnny Reed, copyrights by Elizabeth Bougeret and DCT Enterprises.